Good morning. Last time I had a problem with my mic. Can everybody hear me? All right, it's on? Okay, good. Um, as Dave said, I'm, my name is Jim Jefferson, and it's a, a joy to be here to share with you what God has laid on my heart. Uh, good morning to all those watching uh, from the comfort of being at home. I just want to tell you a little bit about me personally, if you do uh, not know me. Uh, my name's Jim. I'm a married father of three. My wife, Ann, is here. Uh, I've been a member here for over nine years. Uh, we live in this neighborhood just a couple blocks away. Um, and that's where I live. That's who I live with. Uh, what I do for a living, I work for the state of New Jersey. I'm on the state parole board. So I'm in prison uh, four days a week deciding who's going home. And that's my day job. My part-time job is I'm a Gloucester County freeholder, soon to be a county commissioner. So that's, that whole world is changing. And so if you think about the last six months, we've all lived a, a very unique time. It's um, unprecedented. I hear a lot of people say we could sure go for some precedented times. But we could, uh, this has uh, actually been a, just a, a crazy, topsy-turvy road. And for me personally, it's been very unique. It's been very challenging. It's, it's been a roller coaster. Um, but that's who I am. That's what I do. Uh, Ministry-wise, I have been a uh, short-term missionary with the Saints Prison Ministry. This was, would have been my 16th year. Uh, the virus shut us down, so we weren't able to go behind prison walls and minister. So that um, we could surely have your prayers. The doors would open, and sometime soon we would be allowed back in to share the, the love of God and the Word of God back behind prison walls. Um, and just to think about all that life has taken me over this six, uh, six, week, uh, six months, excuse me, and the last uh, nine years, just celebrated our nine-year anniversary. Um, I just want to go back to a different time. We are going to be sharing about the Good Samaritan uh, today, and that's basically just someone being somewhere and showing help to someone who was in need. And this reminded me of a time in my life. It was 10 years ago this month. Uh, it was Anne and I and the two girls, five and three. We were down the shore, Ocean City. And uh, there were no lifeguards there, but it was a, a reasonably warm day. Some people were in the water, and um, somebody got pulled out into the, uh, into, the into the ocean, and they needed help. And so there I am, um, Anne and the two girls, very young, five and three, and this woman's calling for help to her son. I guess I got to go. I don't, I don't know. I'm not much of a, a lifeguard. I don't own CPR, but I'm not going to let this kid just uh, struggle out there, so I... If you look at me, if you see me taking off, it's not going to look pretty. Um, this is a whole lot of, of man in motion, and I've, it was probably looked like a freight train coming at this kid. And so he probably got just as scared of all this coming at him than he did what he was facing in the ocean. And uh, I just wanted to help. And on my way out there, and you know where the jetties are in Ocean City, the big rocks. He had drifted out towards the rocks. And as I'm powering through the water, my, I pick my one foot up, and I crack one of those big rocks, and break my uh, big toe. Um, very painful, and if you can see my shoes one day, you'll see that I have overly large feet, and my big toe's probably big as my index finger, so it was very painful injury. It was not something I, uh, very pleasant, but I still reach out, grab this young man, so now I'm pulling him, he's nervous, I'm in pain, and we make our way back to shore, and as I bring him back, of course, I'm more concerned about how painful my toe is, um, but the, the woman whose son it was, she was very emotional about having her son reunited with her. And I, thinking back on it, I can see that now. 
But at the time, I'm like, yo, what about me? I'm the one who brought the boy out. And I felt like, I felt like in that moment, I felt like she was very casual about what I did for her. I felt like at that moment, she was casual about, well, hey, I just pulled him out of danger. And I just want to think about that as we think about how we choose to help other people, what we expect our react, their reaction to be, and just pivot that against God and how he saved us. We are going to look at the Good Samaritan, and that's a very time, a story probably you all know. We're going to read from Luke chapter 10 today, so if you have your Bible, a good turn to there, Luke chapter 10. We're going to start in 25. If you don't, the words are going to be on the screen. Luke 10, 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. In reply... Excuse me. But when he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and then went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So here we have this uh, interaction that Jesus is having with this expert in the law, um, and he says, you know, what is the most important, what should I do to inherit eternal life? This passage is also quoted in uh, the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark under the heading of the greatest commandment. And so Jesus is having this interaction with this expert, with this smart guy, rule follower, and said, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus, I think, knows that he knows, but asks him what the law says, and he tells him. And Jesus says, you're right. The first thing I want to touch on today is, I want to look at that first step. I want to look at what he highlights is, as the thing we have to do. And that's love God with all that we have. That's love God with all that we have. And my first point today to you is this. I don't want to be too casual about that. I don't want to be too casual about how we love God. See, church sometimes can be casual. It's a routine. We go to work all week, then we have Saturday to ourselves, and then we get up and do church on Sunday. 
it can become a routine. I don't want loving God to be routine. I don't think the scripture calls us to do it in a routine manner. And maybe if I'm making you feel uncomfortable, I'll say this. I struggle with loving God in a routine way. I struggle with loving God in a way that encompasses all of me. I can't speak for you. I don't know where you are today, but I'm going to encourage you and hopefully encourage me because I'm going to expose where I fall short. But let's start loving God in a real, all-encompassing way, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. See, if you go back to my story, I was kind of put off when they moved right past me. I thought, oh my goodness, I just broke a toe, and you can't even show me more love than that? But wait a minute, folks. What did God deliver me from? Let me think about this. What did God save me from? At one point, I was an enemy to him. At one point, my sin took me away from him, and God loved me so much, he saw where I was and saved me. So wouldn't then I be living in a way that God says, hey, Jim, why are you so casual about me? Why are you so casual about the love that you show me, about what you give to me? See, if I'm honest, I'll give God an hour on Sunday. I'll give God a portion of my paycheck as long as I can pay for what I want to pay for. I'll give God a, a grace before some meals if I'm not in a rush. Wouldn't that make God think, Jim, why are you being so casual? Why am I so casual with the one who literally plucked me out of darkness, who rescued me from my own sin, who I say is my only hope for heaven for eternity? Why am I so casual about that love? See, when the expert answered, he, again, he knew the law, he knew the rules, and he was reminded of where that, of where that passage was. I'm going to turn, and if you have your Bible, go with me to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, say amen when you get there. And we're going to read the passage of the law that made, the teacher made that connection. Deuteronomy 6, we're going to read 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me, Moses, to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give to you, and so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God of your fathers promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them down on the door frames 
of your houses and on your gates. See, this in Deuteronomy 6, Moses is saying, all right, we're going to walk into what was promised to us. We're going to walk into our deliverance. But wait, let's remember what God has done. And I feel like we, we need to do an evaluation today and say, let's remember what God has done and why we should be working on our love relationship with him. Now, I'm not going to tell you to tie it on your hands. I'm not going to tell you to go home and paint it on your door frame. But folks, could we be more intentional in taking steps to remember what God has done? Maybe if we're not going to wear it on our body or wear it on our house, maybe we could wear it with our words. Maybe we could wear it with our lifestyle that will be forever changed and forever reminded about who God is and what he did for us. That's how you grow in your love. You remember what's been done for you. You keep that close to you. You share it. Moses says, share it with your kids. Share it wherever you go. Share that love for God. That's powerful, folks. See, that's not a casual love. Like a casual, we live in a casual word. We come to church on Sunday. Hey, you look nice. Hey, that's a nice mask. Where'd you get it? Hey, can I get one of those? Hey, I'm going to sit in my seat. We'll praise the Lord for a few songs, and then we'll go. That's casual. We're not called to a casual faith. We're called to love God with all that we have. We're called to love him that all, with all that we've got. And sometimes I'm like, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go there. Guess what, folks? It's five blocks down the road, and I struggle with that. God sent his son to die for me and deliver me from my sin. Why am I so casual with my response to him? I make it about me. I make it about my comfort. I make it about, well, I, come on, God, that's disruptive. Maybe somebody can relate to me out there. Maybe sometimes you get in your own way of what you give back to God. But this text is reminding us today, there should be nothing more important than how we love God. There should be nothing more important than what we give to him for what he's done for us. We're called to love him with everything that we have. Maybe you can tell I'm a passionate person. I love sports. I, and when I love something, I'm into it. Heaven forbid people know I'm more passionate about the teams I root for than the God I serve. It's a sobering thought, because I talk about that a lot. I talk about my teams. I talk about my players. I talk about how much I love them. Holy cow, why aren't I talking more about the Lord? Why am I so casual with him, but so into who I like sports-wise? Folks, we need to be reminded today to fall back in love with the Lord, to go back to our first love, which is him, and to love him in a way that takes everything you have. I don't know if you know it, but maybe other people would need that too. Maybe you see we're living in a world that's kind of devoid of love. Second point. So the, t the expert sees, he knows what the law is. He remembers where that law came from, from Moses leading folks into the promised man to love God with all that you have, to remember, to put it down, to write it, to wear it, to put it at your house. 
It's that kind of love we're called to have. And then we go to the neighbor conversation. Second point, we are called to love others in a sacrificial way. If you notice the interaction that the Samaritan has with the the victim of the robbery, the person who's in need of help, it cost him something. It cost him time. It cost him money. It cost him effort. He had to go out of his way. He had to change his plans. He was fully committed to showing that person who was in need help. He was fully committed to showing him love And it had a cost. Folks, I'm here to say to you today, the love that we're called to to have for neighbors, it's going to cost you something. Unfortunately, you know, as we go through life, it's, oh, hey, I'll pray for you and just keep it moving. Hey, you need that? Maybe I'll send you a check. It's not so intertwined. We have our course and we have our date book and we have our plans Maybe I'll I'll get to you in a couple weeks, but try and get me in. Text me when you need. It's like, you know, we're so casual about our schedule, our life. We don't like disruption. But folks, I want to be reminded today that the calling to love your neighbor has to cost you something. Because if we think about it, the love that was shown to us, the love that God poured out on us, cost him something. It cost him his son. Jesus left heaven, came to earth, and lived a perfect life and was nailed to a tree so that you would know love. So why is the love that we give others so non-sacrificial? The love that changed us changed the whole world, and it took a man dying on a cross and being resurrected. But what do we give other people, folks? Are we scared? to love in a way that costs us? Are we too selfish to love other people that way? I don't want to speak for you, but I'm both. I'm selfish. I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy. There goes Jim, that born againer. Like, come on, man, that guy, he's too much. We have our persona. We don't want to be looked down upon. Oh, there goes Jim. He's one of those kooks. Well, you know what? If loving God and loving my neighbor makes me a kook, then so be it. The calling today is to love God in a way that takes everything you have. The the calling today is that when you see somebody in need, you love them in a way that costs you something. In the stillness of this moment, I guarantee you, if you close your eyes and you thought about it, there's somebody in your life that needs help. Again, I don't know your life. I don't know where you are with your walk with the Lord. I don't know where you are financially, occupationally. I don't know where each one of you are. But I guarantee you, you know somebody that could use help. And I'm saying today, God's calling you to that. God's calling you to love them in a way that costs you something. It's going to cost you something. Because isn't that the love that was poured out on us? Isn't that the love that changed us? Isn't that the love that gives us hope? That's the love. That's the love that we need. It's it's amazing. It's amazing to think 
what's going on in the last six months. It's amazing to think about it. To think about before March, life was so casual. You never would have thought about ever in your life going anywhere with a mask on. I walked into a bank today one day and I thought, man, they probably think I'm robbing the joint. Here I come in with a mask on. Like life isn't what we always are going to predict. We might make our plans. We might think we know what's going to happen. But no one predicted what was going to happen these last six months. And the thing I'm struggling with right now is believers singing the woes of how awful 2020 is. Believers saying, oh, the world's really falling apart. The world's really going to hell. You know what? I'll say something to you right now. 2020 is our time. 2020 is ours. You know what? Because there's no better time, there's no clearer time where people are looking, are looking for love. They're looking for it in a lot of different ways. They're looking for it in a lot of different places. Newsflash, you have it. The love that they're looking for, you have. They don't know it. Their soul is searching. But here's the answer we know. We have the answer for what breaks their heart. We have it. That's why the call is to love other people as yourself. Because you have what their heart needs. You do. God revealed that to you. If you're in relationship with him, if you're walking with him, you know, you know the deliverance. You know the freedom. You know the peace that only he can bring. That's a good feeling, right? That's what we're basing our entire eternity on, right? So why aren't we showing that sacrificial love to other people? Why is sacrifice such a tough thing? Church, I don't want to be stuck there anymore. I don't want to be stuck as living with a, as a person who's casual about how he loves God and not sacrificial with how he loves other people. I'm putting myself out there today. This is on tape. So I'm going to say to you, and I'm going to say to the people watching, I want to be somebody that falls back in love with Jesus, that falls back in love with the God who saved him. And I want to touch people in a way, I want to love people in a way that's sacrificial like the love that changed me. Folks, that's how the world changes. That's how Jesus changed the world when he was here. He loved people in a sacrificial way. Folks, do you think the times are dark? Do you think the world needs love? Then go show them. Go show them in a way that hurts. The two silver coins, folks, scholars say that was two days' wages. You best be crazy if you think I'm giving somebody two days' wages. The thought of that makes me laugh. But you know what? That's the calling. You know what? That's the example to give until it hurts. Not just with your money. He took, he would, I don't know what the, I don't know what the Samaritan's course was that day. I don't know where he was going. I don't know what he was doing. But you know what? He stopped it. But you know what? He changed everything about his day. And he says, I'm not going to stop till this person gets what they need. That's love, folks. Isn't that what God did for us? That's what the Samaritan did for the person who needed help. 
He stopped everything, gave him time, gave him a lot of genuine concern, gave money to make sure he had what he needed, and then said to the guy at the inn, I'm coming back, and whatever else you need, I'm going to give you that too. Holy cow, could that change this world? Man, that's a radical love, folks. But guess what? God loves you in a radical way. God loves you so much that he sent his son to bear the burden for your sin. That's radical. And if we're believers, we're betting on that. Our hope is in that. So I think now's the time to start walking in a way that we're showing that love. Because if you're all honest too, you'll know that the world needs love. I can't, I can't imagine there's a person in here that doesn't think that the times are dark. But holy cow, do we have the light. Light's been exposed to you. You've accepted the light. Now's the time to start shining it. Now's the time to start shining it in a way that's sacrificial and it costs you something. First point, I don't want to be casual about how we love God. Secondly, we're called to love our neighbor in a sacrificial way. Third point, loving your neighbor bridges divides. And in this case, racial ones. In this case, racial ones. See, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. The Jews and the Samaritans openly showed hostility to one another. Jesus walks into this parable knowing what's going on in his date and time. He knows how people interact. He knows that they don't like each other. And to the folks that know the law, the folks that know the rules, he puts a big challenge to them. Because he says the example is the Samaritan who he knows they don't like. But folks, Jesus says that's the example. Folks, Jesus and his love is the only way to bridge a racial divide. I don't know if you hear me, but this world is being torn apart by an enemy called Satan, and he loves to divide God's people, and he's doing it right now, and the only cure for that is Jesus Christ. The only cure for the division that's going on right now is Jesus, and that's evidenced by the Good Samaritan. See, the Samaritan didn't say, oh, wait, he's Jewish? I'm not helping him. Oh, wait, he's different than me? Well, there's a line, and I'm not going to cross it. No, he enveloped himself all in. He went all the way in to show help to someone that was different than him. He loved that person in a sacrificial way, somebody that the world at that time said, no, we don't want anything to do with each other. Folks, that's where we are right now. The world's struggling. God's children are struggling. And, the Satan, and Satan's having a field day. But guess what? Satan's a defeated foe. Guess what? Satan already lost. And so we got to stop giving them victory here on earth when it comes to racial division. We've got to love people in a sacrificial way. We've got to love people in a way that's different than us. Because that's what he's calling us to. 
That's what he's calling us to. Folks, I don't mean, well, actually, you know what? I do mean to make you feel uncomfortable. Guess why? Because the world's riding on it. The world's riding on what we do with this love right now. Folks, I'm begging you to think about it. Here we are, six months in to this pandemic, fighting against an invisible virus and against a divided, divided world. You know what the the tough part is? Maybe the church has gotten it wrong in the past. Maybe the church hasn't helped foster, foster reconciliation racially, and maybe the church has pushed people apart. I want today to be the day that that changes. I want today to be the day that where we love God with everything that we have, that we love people in a way that costs us something, and we love people that the world wants to separate us from, we love them in a way that brings people together. Folks, it's equal footing at the foot of the cross. There's no one better than the other. There's no one person that needs more of Jesus' blood than the next. But Satan is pushing us apart. I believe that as sure as I'm standing here. He does not want to see reconciliation. He does not want to see unity. And he's making it so that we think each other are enemies. That's a lie straight from hell. We are all God's children. It's up to believers. It's up to believers to walk and live and love in a way that brings unity, that brings people to God. Folks, that's how we change this. That's how the world gets better. You know, you see, if you, you watch the internet, if you're on social media, there's so many jokes about 2020. Oh, this is so 2020. Oh, this is miserable. Oh, can, what's going to happen next? Folks, I want to tell you, I'm excited for 2020. I'm excited for what's to come. You know why? Because we have in front of us the greatest opportunity, the greatest witness is right in front of you now. People are hurting. People are looking for love, and you have it resting in your soul. People are divided. Well, guess what? You know the one that can bring them together. Is that intimidating? Yes. You know what's also intimidating? To think that I was dead in my sin. That seems like a winless proposition. We stand ready at one where we know we can win. We know that God can win this fight. It's time that we start walking like it. It's time that we start talking like it. And it's time that we start loving like it. I would encourage you today, if you know Jesus in your soul, if he's your savior, I would encourage you today to think about where you could Love someone sacrificially. I pray that you would think about, do I need to do anything to grow my love with my God?
back in the day of Moses, he took, I would say, extreme action to make sure folks had reminders of what God did for them. Reminders to say, hey, we're not going to be casual about who God is or what God's done. We're going to wear it. We're going to talk about it. There's going to be visible signs reminding us of what God did for us. It's not casual. It's not casual. Man, we need to love some other people. I think God is calling us to sacrifice today. I think he's calling us to sacrifice. And I also think he's calling us, believers, to be in the business of reconciliation. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Are we waiting for a time where it's going to be easy? Guess what? It's not. It's not going to get any easier. Regardless of how easy or hard it is, God's on your side. God's giving you the power. You don't have to do it in your strength. You have his. So we're going to step into this week. We're going to step into the rest of this year. I'll guarantee you something else. The next 58 days are going to be nuts. Things are going to get more divided. Things are going to get more contentious. And people are going to not like each other more. It's on us. It's our time. It's time to live boldly for Jesus. It's time to love boldly. Our hope isn't in politics or government. Our hope is in the one who saved us. If you don't know Jesus today, I would say to you, what are you waiting for? What's your hope for the things that you face? How do you deal with your troubles? How do you deal with the sin that causes destruction in your soul? I would say today, try Jesus. What are we waiting for? Believers, the path I feel is clear. The work, I would say, is right in front of us. It's time to step into it. It's time to reclaim 2020. Stand with us as we pray. In the stillness of this moment, right here, right now, think about where God's calling you. Think about who is God calling you to. Everybody here has a circle. Everybody here has a sphere of influence, lives that they touch on a consistent basis, friends, family, coworkers, people you go to school with. Everybody touches somebody. Where is God calling you today to be a vessel of his love? Think about that. Think about how is God calling you to be in the business of bringing racial reconciliation to your life? We shouldn't shy away from that. We're all God's children. The devil's done with this. We're going to claim this victory. Think about how you can be a part of it.